How do you feel about using Macharino to pay production? That's an interesting uh, thought. Having an actual, because, well, you wouldn't do a Macharino. You would just basically say, hi, donate to production, please. <laughs> Out of the, we would basically be doing a telethon, right? We would be like, please, ladies and gentlemen, the production here, they work tirelessly all day. It's from noon all the way till 3 a.m. every day that they're running these tournaments. And you can help alleviate the pressure and stress that they go through. All you have to do is call that number on your screen, donate even anywhere from $5 to $10 to $20. And you can help your fellow production feel like their work is appreciated. That's all it takes. Again, pick up the phone, dial that number on your screen, have a credit card ready in your hand, and that will help them tremendously. Thank you so much. <laughs>
a lot of people seem to be judging from Jabali and Tong's tweets uh, that some people are actually kind of upset about the fact that they've included non-anime games <laughs> into CE Otaku because that was kind of the point uh, of the actual tournament. Right, Ace King Offsuit was the one who did the calculations. And since I, you, you linked it for me here, Blue, I might as well read it. So, yeah, so uh, King Ace King Offsuit said, did some napkin math about CEO Otaku streams. There are 14 games of the 2023 lineup that were in 2022. Nine of those 14 games are getting more stream time this year than they got last year. And two others are getting the same amount. Only three are getting less time than last year. So what happened was that it seems like a lot of people are mad because now CEO Taku is including non-anime games. So what happened to our anime-based major? And uh, yeah, exactly. So Gundam Jehudi Kai says, basically, uh, I, uh, I think a lot of the kickback was simply because CEO Taku was meant to be for smaller non-anime games. Um, so he, there's there's two sides of this, right? So first of all, let's talk about the TO side of this thing, right? Um, I've often said tournament organizers are the least appreciated people in the fighting game community because they get the most flack and people complain to them about everything and they're super evil with any decisions that they make with fighting game tournaments, etc., etc. Uh... Guys like, uh, dude, they, yeah, Baron Spaghetti says they work so hard and so many logistics to deal with. And the worst thing about it is somehow people have it on their mind that TOs make money from their events. And this is where I feel like a lot, like a large part of the, uh, the misunderstanding comes from that people seem to think that tournaments actually make money <laughs> when uh most of the time people are losing money when you actually tell people that combo breaker and ceo lost money this year people are like no no way they didn't lose money like it's crazy how often you see people get surprised by the fact that these tournaments lose money on top of that, Jabali showed a bill for the internet that was like $56,000 or something like that for a weekend of internet. And he said, that's on the lower end of costs. And I can verify that that is definitely true. Like, I still remember the one time I asked someone on showyoucan.com way back in the forums day. I was like, how much do you think the internet costs for Evo for the weekend? And the guy was like, well... My internet is like $60 for like a month. So I imagine for their weekend, it would be like $200. Or she said something like that. And I was like, are you absolutely shitting me? Like, do you not know <laughs> how the world works at all in any way, shape or form or any capacity at all? Like, I just, I don't understand why people don't realize that running tournaments is bloody expensive. And so, you know, running CEO, they lost money this year. And now they're running CEO Taku, which is going to lose money for them most likely again. 
a lot of these TOs are kind of doing it for love. And, you know, I'm not going to say that Jabali has only lost money. Before the pandemic, there were years where he did tell me that CEO actually made a profit. But you know what happens to that profit? It goes into CEO the next year. <laughs> it literally goes into CEO. He doesn't pocket it. He saves it for the next year so that he can run the next year's tournament. Like any time a tournament makes money, you very rarely get to like pocket that and keep that and go like, now that I have successfully gained a profit from my tournament, I can finally buy my yacht. You know, like that's not happening over here with people running TOs running events. Like I said, if they actually make any money, most likely uh, they are actually, yeah, actually this is a perfect transition between last week's major discussion. Uh, but they're not making any money and it's only kind of got more expensive thanks to the pandemic. And a lot of TOs lost money during the pandemic because they have contracts for a few years and they weren't able to uphold the contracts because no one was flying out. So they, I don't know the details, but I imagine there were some penalties incurred. Like when uh, uh, Rick, AKA the Hado who runs Combo Breaker had it all set in the new venue the first year of the pandemic. And then he had to cancel the event, you know, at the last second. And I don't know if the pandemic actually triggered the force majeure clause, which is an act of God, basically, uh, ruining your <laughs> event. So you can't actually run the event. And so the, the, the venues don't, can't hold you to that. And I know for a, a lot of uh, tournaments that the force majeure clause actually didn't kick in for a lot of them. So they still had to pay a lot of money. Right, yeah, uh, Blue says, I remember when COVID was starting, Jabeli said if he canceled CEO Dreamland that same weekend, CEO would have been done. Exactly, you just would have lost all that money because there was no force majeure clause that could actually kick in and save him from that money, uh, from losing all that money. So again, the TOs are losing a lot of money on these things, right? They're spending a, a gobsmack of, of money out there and it's not easy to run events like this at all in any way, shape, or form. And so if you have a situation where you're running CEO Taku and you want to make it so that it's more focused on the anime games, and etc., etc., if you exclude games, I mean, they had Street Fighter V, I think, the previous uh, year or something. They've had non-anime games there, but I think the big deal, deal now is that MK1 and Street Fighter VI are so, like, the predicted to be so big that they're afraid that they're going to outshine the anime games at the events. And, you know, while that is a, a, a valid concern, we'll get to that side of it in just a little bit. The thing about it is, if CEO Taku does not include these games to promote your smaller anime games, so like you want, you love this event because it promotes and highlights these smaller games, if they don't put Street Fighter VI and Mortal Kombat into the tournament, you won't have the tournament anymore at all. <laughs> This is something that you have to understand. Like, uh, right, Street Fighter V and Tekken 7, okay, they were side games. They were side games, okay. But, you know, uh, if you do not include something like Street Fighter VI and Mortal Kombat, 
you won't have CEO Taku anymore. You won't have the tournament that helped. I mean, Frosty Faustings, for example, is always they always focus on Guilty Gear and stuff, but they still run the main titles like Street Fighter Six, et cetera, et cetera. They they have to do it as well, right? All these events have to look out for themselves to make sure that they don't just literally kill themselves, right? And so you kind of have to look at it from that perspective here. If you're if you want this event called CEO Taku, which does try to highlight all the anime games out there, and you say, don't run Street Fighter VI and Mortal Kombat 1, that's getting in our way, that's hogging our limelight, that's taking up our space and, and our time and, and our, and our uh, front stageness, um, you're not going to have CEO Taku anymore at all. <laughs> It's just going to be too expensive. JP in the chat says here, you know, people forgot about the big hit that CEO took this year in attendees, which was out of the TO's control. Uh, yeah, big E events are going to, I'm really, really sad that those are going away as well. Someone asked me, what events did big, what event did big E run? No, no, no. Wrong question. It's what events, uh, AKA Fall Classic, April Annihilation, Summer Jam, uh, and NEC. <laughs> I know I'm missing one more out there, but he ran a bunch of events. But yeah, so CEO lost to Bailey a lot of money. He's got to find a way to winter heat. Okay, there you go. He, he needs to find a way to make it so that CEO Taku actually can not put him so far into the red that he's in trouble here. Uh, oh, Winter Heat. Oh, yeah, Winter Brawl. Yeah, yeah. I said Winter Brawl, didn't I? I did say Winter Brawl. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's the thing that we have to look at here, right? Do we just say, you know, like... <sighs> There just needs to be more empathy towards TOs, okay? That's all I'm trying to get to. That's, that's the crux of this whole entire thing that I'm trying to get to. We need more empathy for the TOs because they are doing such a thankless job. People don't realize that they are putting themselves through undue stress. Whenever they run an event like this, they are going into the red, hoping all the registration money, etc., all that stuff like that, helps actually make them break even. In other words, they're just going into debt, hoping that an event can survive. Even back when Evo, you know, before the Street Fighter 4 boom, when we were running Evos at colleges and stuff like that, you know, that was the reason why we told everybody not to publish any footage that they recorded at Evo. Like, that was a rule. Like, if you recorded on a camcorder footage, and yes, we didn't have camera phones back then. If you recorded footage on a camcorder, please do not put that up anywhere because Evo needs to sell DVDs to try to break even. That was the whole goal. So Evo would, after the tournament was over, do all this production and actually uh, produce some DVDs for people. And then the DVD sales would actually help them break even. Most of the tournaments, these uh, even today, are still going for a lot of that. For, go, are still going through that same cycle, right? Go into massive debt and then actually try to make money back, right? Um... 
Uh, yeah, Shinobi has run Climax of Night for French Bread Games, etc., etc. Yes. Uh, and he took this year off because one reason is because of money. Uh... And Blue says, so Blue says, as someone who does a lot of anime coverage, CEO Taku was promoted as an anime event from the start. Shinobi has run Climax of Night for French Bread Games, and he took this year off because one reason is because of money. And as much as I would like it to happen, anime exclusive tournaments are super hard to do for real. That's just really what it was. It, it, it's really true. Uh, who brought a VCR to record matches of, off of an arcade machine? Did you actually do that, JP? Because I know, like, uh, Shin, Shin JN of Level Up was one of the first people that was hooking camcorders up to arcade cabinets to record things directly. He was doing that at, like, Southern Hills Golf Land, and he was helping the Evo staff do that for the Evos and stuff like that. So, okay, there you go. Uh, it was actually Shin JN who was one of the you know one of the guys Jimmy Jimmy Wynn who helps uh, run Level Up with Alex Valle. Uh, he was the first one of the first people to ever you know hook up a camcorder directly to the 33 inch cabinets and stuff like that and record matches through direct feed. That's why we had direct feed uh, match footage back in the day for something like B4 and B5. Uh, and for Evo 2002, which was still, I mean, the first Evo in, God, what year was it? 2002. Yeah, 2002 was the first Evo, and that was the reason why we actually had uh, footage. Now, the crazy thing is, e Evo 2002, we did record all the direct footage, but all of the, the footage came out bad. <laughs> and were unusable, and the DVD was actually constructed out of people's camcorder matches, which is why the Evo 2002 at UCLA is all completely camcorder footage from the DVD, because the community actually got together to, put, to give us enough matches that we could actually produce a DVD for that year, which was actually really, really, really cool. Um, but yeah, so a lot of TOs are losing money on this stuff. And so we need more empathy and sympathy for TOs out there. We need to understand the kind of work that they're doing and a lot of the sacrifices that they have to make right now, before I go on, uh, let's talk about the other side of this as well. So am I saying that the fans are unjustified for being mad at Jabalian stuff? Look, as a person who has a lot of empathy, I totally get it. I totally get it uh, from these players because anime games have always been uh, on the have always been the redheaded stepchild of games like Street Fighter and Tekken and all the mainstream games like Mortal Kombat and Injustice, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's tough being an anime fan because you're like, our games are so cool, but we're always the other game. Street Fighter always gets the last top eight stage, all this stuff, et cetera, et cetera. We never get the limelight. And so when tournaments like a Frosty Faustings come around, like a Climax of Night come around, which again, Shinobi does just purely for the love of the game, 
when Jabali promises CE Otaku to be an anime tournament, and now this year CE Otaku's including not just non-anime games, but like the daddy of non-anime games, Street Fighter VI, which is obviously 7,000 entrants at Evo Large, you know, and the brand new Mortal Kombat 1 that's coming out, like... There's going to be uh, some balking. Like, you're just like, what are you doing? You're taking the limelight away from our games here. CEO Taku was supposed to be a tournament for anime games. And again, if you've been a fan of these anime games, if you've been a fan of Arxis games for as long as I've been around, and as long as Guilty Gear has been a, a game, anime games have been fighting for legitimacy forever there is definitely a mentality and an attitude in the anime community that they feel like that they have been trying to fight for the limelight and fight for legitimacy because before you know before they got popular to the level that they are now they were always considered like oh only weirdos play anime games or, or ooh you play anime games like it was almost kind of like an insult to people <laughs> back in the day that, that you know people would you're like I like Guilty Gear and people were like oh you're one of those <laughs> you know like that like literally uh kind of happened in, in those days so um Oh, JP? Wait, wait, hang on a second, hang on a second. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back here and, and, and address this conversation that's going on over here. Shay says, that totally makes back there, selling DVDs. Oh, uh, damn, I miss Evo DVD trailers. And then JP says, you mean the AMVs for Evo? Those were sick when I researched them. And then Shay says, yeah, highlighting big players' names like a cast of a movie, pretty cool. And JB says, the Nike commercial they emulated, my better is better than your better. <laughs> I, were you not on the stream before, JP? Do you know who made those DVD trailers? Do you know who actually made those DVD trailers, JP? Yes, me. I made them all. <laughs> I made all those goddamn trailers, dude. So yeah, trust me. I know. I know. <laughs> oh man. I made all those DVD trailers, damn it. I was the one that So Tom Cadden made the first one with the uh Ayumi Hamasaki song Evo Evolution. And then I took it and ran with it and way way I I took it way too far. And so it became an inside joke at that point in time. But in any case, um, the anime players out there have been suffering for a long time. And, you know, with games like Dragon Ball Fighters and Guilty Gear Strive, it feels really good for them to, to, to be in the limelight, especially like in EVO 2022 when Strive closed out EVO because it had the highest number of entrants. They actually got to end the year with, uh, with Strive and it was a big deal for them. And, you know, it, it, it's like finally the anime games are like here. We're here. We're like mainstream. We're taking over. And then you have something like CEO Taku with, you know. I mean, to be fair, Street Fighter VI does have JP in it, who is the most anime fighting game character in the existence of Street Fighter. So, <laughs> 
uh, I, uh, so White Lens, who subbed, thank you very much, says, I so don't suppose these anime fighters include DBZ, Hyperdimension, or Gundam Wing, Endless Duel. Uh, I, they might have side tournaments for some of those, so... Uh, yeah, five out of nine out of the Evo 2022 lineup was an anime game. If you count Skullgirls as an anime, eh, maybe, maybe. Um, but, uh, Blanca level two is, Blanca is anime, okay? He has mini Faust, all right? Blanca has mini Faust now. This is a problem. This is a problem. But, uh, again, like the, uh, the, uh, the anime community has often felt like this, right? They have always been feeling like the underdog. They have always felt like the ones that have been like, you know, shoved to the side and treated as secondary. You know, they're the filler basically, but the tournament's really about Tekken and Street Fighter and the current NRS game and et cetera, et cetera. So again, like, I get it. I. I, 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 as much as I say have empathy for the TOs, I have empathy for the players, the anime fans as well, because it feels like, like, now what makes CEO Taku CEO Taku instead of just CEO number two, right? Why is it just not CEO in the summer and CEO in the winter now? What is the point of C? What is why is it even called CEO Taku anymore? And so again, I I I, I get it. I get where the frustration comes from, but again, you have to see kind of the bigger picture of the whole entire thing because if they don't add Street Fighter Six and Mortal Kombat, especially for this year, because CEO lost a lot of money, uh, you just might not have a tournament anymore. Like, CEO Taku might just go the way of the Dodo at that point because, like we were discussing last week, a lot of tournaments are going away. We're losing a lot of tournaments. And CEO Taku could be one coming up next, right? Because tournaments just don't make money. And it, it, it's hard. And, and the other thing, too, is that, you know, there was one person who tweeted out in response to Jabaley or Tong. I forgot. I think it was Jabaley or Jabaley might have retweeted it or something. But the guy was like, I would have never gotten into Guilty Gear or uh, I don't remember. I think he might have said Dragon Ball or something. He said, I went to a tournament to play Street Fighter V. I think he said he went to a previous CEO Taku or something to play Street Fighter V. And he got introduced to those games. And now he's a big fan of those games, right? So, and a lot of the numbers were run too that, you know, the Street Fighter VI has a ton of crossover, a lot of the players, in fact, the players playing only Street Fighter VI was actually a significant minority of the players that are competing in Street Fighter VI. It wasn't like Street Fighter VI is bringing in this giant group of people who have no interest in the anime games. It was actually a pretty significant portion of the Street Fighter VI players having crossover with other games. So, oh, there you go. So, Blue, thank you for the links over here. I should just hire Blue to be my pre-show researcher over here. So yeah, look at this. So Jabaley says, uh, Street Fighter VI only entrance, 134, which is 27.74%. So we'll just call that a 25%. So one-fourth of the players are there only for Street Fighter VI, 
But for players who are playing Street Fighter VI and anime, that's 349, a.k.a. 72.76%, right? Three-fourths of the players there are playing both Street Fighter and anime. And in fact, for people only playing Street Fighter VI or Mortal Kombat 1, like either of those, in other words, not playing any anime games, there's only 158 out of 535 players, which is 32.71%. So only a third of the people there are there just for non-anime games. But you get a lot of crossover, right? You actually do get a lot of crossover. <laughs> Come on, Mike, I know you're trying to be sarcastic here. TOs make too much money and get rich on high entry fees and a poor entrance to suffer. I know you're trying to be sarcastic, but l please make sure that people in the chat realize that you are being sarcastic. Um, but yeah, so I get it. I get it from the players, but... CEO Otaku is still going to focus largely on the anime games. They're not losing stream time. In fact, Jabali is spending more money. And again, adding a sec adding an extra stream to stream uh, 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 the non-anime game so that you don't take the time away from the other streams uh, costs a lot of money. Because <laughs> you guys haven't actually been in the back where people are actually running the streams. Uh, most of you haven't been back there and see the just gobs and gobs of hardware and, uh, just the amount of stuff that these people have to fly out to stream these, uh, stations over there costs so much money because it's just cases and cases and cases of stuff. And it's not like these cases you can pack to the brim with everything. Like 90% of these cases, I swear to God, is foam. Because you can't have any of this stuff getting damaged, being transported in the airplane and stuff. And so it's just like cases, cases, cases. Then you gotta pay the streamer and it's not just one dude sitting there streaming. Like each stream has got to have at least like three people running it, but then you got to add in the tournament runner who's going out there and trying to find the matches for you and those three people. And sometimes they do do this. Sometimes you see those three streamers sitting there literally from ballroom opens to ballroom closes. And then they're the ones who after the tournament is over when everybody else is like, yay, back to hotel room, where's the salty suite? They're still back there cleaning shit up for the next like three, four hours in the ballroom. <laughs> yeah, then the camera operators just to get the memes that the stream monsters look for, etc. etc. It for one stream <laughs> costs a lot of money for a TO to add to the event. And so, you know, Jabali making sure that he added one whole stream so that the uh, anime games didn't lose any time, any broadcast time, is really kind of a, a good compromise. You know, you're not losing out on the footage of anything else. And, you know, I don't know how the schedule is. Do we have a schedule? Are they planning to run like Street Fighter Six at the same time as Guilty Gear Strive closing out the event? Or are they actually going to try to keep them separate times and such? I don't, I don't know. But again, it's, it's, again, I get it. I get it. 
it sucks because like you have an anime event, CEO Taku, it was all geared for your genre of fighting games. And now here comes Street Fighter Six coming in here and getting in the way. And it's just like, I understand that it feels frustrating, but again, these are particular circumstances right now, right? The way that um, CEO went this year, having them lose so much money. Uh, here we go. So Sunday, Sunday, yeah. So look at that. They're not even running Guilty Gear Strive at the same time as uh, Street Fighter Six. So if we look at this uh, image over here on Sunday, yeah, Guilty Gear Strive is still closing out the event. It's literally still closing out the event, and Street Fighter VI ends before that. So they're still making sure Street Fighter gets the uh, gets the top bill. I mean, they're still making sure Guilty Gear gets the top billing in here. So, you know, he's aware. And I, Bailey probably tried... I mean, he wants... The T.O.s aren't evil, they want to give the fans what the they want to give the fans what the fans want. They do. They really, really do. It's just in the end, everything comes down to money. Right? We don't want these guys going broke and uh losing all of their money basically for this kind of situation. So it's just it's just one of those things. You you, you gotta you gotta kind of accept what's going on. So unfortunately so that's that's how it is at this point so again it's tough because basically i'm asking for empathy on all sides of things right nothing is ever as cut and dry nothing is ever as simple as people like to make it out to be and so uh <laughs> tos are evil but the world and people are more evil <laughs> uh yeah, one of the TOs put out the receipts 10 years ago. That was, uh, yeah, right, Baron Spaghetti, let's fight together. Let's fight together. Uh, JP, that was John Choi. He put out the, uh, the, the, the numbers for NorCal Regionals, how much it cost, and basically it showed that I think NorCal Regionals like made like a thousand dollars and when you consider the immense number of people who basically worked at ncr for absolutely no money whatsoever like basically it just sucked yeah <laughs> so like all these people did free labor to run all this stuff and uh nobody got anything for it the tos got nothing for it in fact a lot of that money probably went to John Choi treating everybody to dinners afterwards and everything like that. So, yeah, Choi has flat out said he goes severely into the red every tournament he ran. Absolutely. And, and that's the situation we're in. So, again, it's hard to grow. And, you know, people out there will be like, we'll just get bigger sponsors. And, like, <laughs> how? How do you do that? How do you do that? You don't just go, hey, big sponsor come check out my tournament and they'll be like, what's your impressions? What's your view count? What's your attendance numbers? And you'd be like, dude, check this out. And they show, you show them the numbers and they'll just look at it and just kind of laugh in your face because fighting games are not <laughs> doing super well. <laughs> fighting game tournaments are not doing super well. And it's that time again.
Ooh. Hi. Attendance numbers weak in comparison to actual cons. Yeah. So there's really no... Uh, mwah, mwah. There's really no way to get bigger sponsors. You don't... Sp bigger sponsors don't come out of nowhere based off of potential. Bigger sponsors come to you when you are already making a lot of money and they want a piece of that money. That's where sponsors come from. Sponsors don't see a tournament go like, this has the potential to make money. No, they're like, this tournament's making money and some of that money should be ours. <laughs> That's how shit works. You don't get sponsors just because you go and look for them. That's not how this, this shit works. Mwah. Hi, Nathan. Mwah. <laughs> Opportunity for a cute tournament mascot. Yeah, Nathan could be a tournament mascot. Uh, EG just let go of their Valorant team and they just want, they let go of that Valorant team? No. They were like talking about them and bragging about them on their social media. Like all day, they're like, let's go, EG. We bleed blue, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, they let go of the Valorant team? Are you serious? Oh my God. Uh, Stanley Cup Gramp says, uh, I dropped the utility numbers on Jazz's podcast and said that a regular three MVP line is $5K and a five to 10 MVP is close to 10K. A 20 AMP drop is 500 to $800 each. Jesus. And JV, uh, so El Zilcho says they look them look at options. Oh, yeah. 10K is a small venue. Absolutely is a small venue. Uh, oh, I see. Not like let go, let go. But if they stay with EG, we'll probably earn less. I see. So since they had won, it was probably more beneficial for them to go and shop around the market. So basically, they probably left. I don't know if they left EG or whatever. But yeah, that that's... Yeah, they just won and they'll get a pay cut. <laughs> they just won and they would get a pay cut staying at Evil Geniuses. Like, uh, esports teams, do they actually make money? Most of them don't. Most of them don't. In fact, they've been trying to. So that's the thing is a lot of them are trying to do it by building brand. Like, I know Team Solo Mid has done it because they've really grew a clothing line and a product line. They've kind of built a brand around TSM, right? I know that's what they were doing for the longest time. But in terms of making money from the actual esports team, no, I don't think any of them make any money <laughs> at all. So, well, yeah, Panda Global made money until the whole thing blew up because they were actually doing a good job selling the brand and all that stuff like that. So... Uh, only 100T and FaZe are up. Is that actually true? They're the only esports team that make any money? Because I know FaZe is also another one of those big brands like that as well. But, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the whole thing is that um, <laughs> esports is... Oh, God, I've said it before. Esports is a lie, okay? Esports, like, that's why, like, I've told the story before when I went to Chile... 
and I was talking to so many other people down there and they're like, yeah, we just want esports to get as big as it is in the US. And I was like, oh boy, oh boy, how do I break this to you? Oh man, we just want esports to be a real thing and make money for you, for us, like it is in the US. And I'm like, yeah, so funny story, funny story out there. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's not what people promised. And that's where a lot of the problem in esports comes from, right? Is that they overpromised. Is they basically sold everybody snake oil. And when all the investors are like, you mean this is the next big thing? Esports is going to make more money than all movies? More people watched the league finals than the Super Bowl? Oh, okay, let's go in. And then you find out that 99% of those viewers are from China. And most likely a large chunk of them bots and that these companies that invested can't make money off of a single one of those Chinese citizens, then you're like, well, <laughs> what did this do, right? So literally, it's just like all they're doing is just selling snake oil. Like that's all they're doing this whole entire time. And so be, that's why there's all these doom and gloom articles now about esports where they're like, my God, fighting games are succeeding where esports have failed. Look at Evo. They have Chipotle sponsors and 7,000 entrants. They're doing so great. One, we're not doing so great. But two, we're only that way because we are grassroots, because we aren't based off of venture capitalists. Evo pays for itself. Right? We are not selling snake oil. Evo has only sold what it is literally capable of. That's, that's it. That, like, that's all Evo. Look, if you want to have a great time watching fighting games, come watch fighting games. We're not trying to tell people we're the next big thing and like this is going to take over the world by storm. Like we've been doing this long enough. We're just like we're over that shit. Right? So like... <laughs> Chipotle is not available in my country and I want Chipotle. Yeah, basically. So again, it's just, it's, it's going back to the original topic, being a TO sucks. <laughs> you don't make money. And so cut Jabaili and Tong some slack. Look, Jabaili is a very proud guy. And I've talked to him long enough and I've had my little squabbles with him here and there. But in the end, he's still a guy that when the Florida tournaments and when the Florida FGC got scammed by some dude who promised a big old tournament, I don't remember if he promised it was gonna be on a yacht or a cruise or something, but someone actually promised this big old tournament in Florida, people registered and the guy bounced. If I'm, if I have my story correct, by the way, it's something to the, it's one of the stories that has happened a billion times in the fighting game community. Some guy promises big fighting game tournament. Everyone registers. The guy disappears. All the money goes away. That happened in Florida and Jabaili, one of the players burned by that was like, well, yeah, well, you know what? I'm going to run my own tournament with Blackjack and Hooker. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't actually say that. He said, I'm going to run my own tournament, and it's just going to be a community effort here in Orlando. 
and he ran basically a small little gathering, I think at like his house or somebody's house or some garage or something. And people just kind of went. And then they all, he just kept doing it. And it got bigger and bigger. So, you know, in the end, Jabali was doing it because he's just a fan of fighting games, because he loves fighting games, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Jabali ego and everything is meme, but man puts everything in for the fighting game community. It's absolutely true, man. Like, he, he, he cares about the fighting game community. Right? He's not just some guy who's here to try to make money off of the FGC. He enters CVS2 and all these tournaments all the time, and he does really well. He's a fan of fighting games. And so for that reason, you know, he's, he's doing this because he cares. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. And you don't, want to, you don't want to chase somebody like that away. You don't, we don't want to lose the Jabalis and the Rick Thiers and, and, and the Alex Valles and, and the, the Logan Samas in the UK who runs, you know, Winter Stays On all the time, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we don't want to lose the Big E's and the Shin Blancas that we're losing, right? We don't want to lose the Shinobis that are running the Climaxes of Night, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the truth of the matter is, is that running a tournament in the fighting game community very rarely pays off. And in fact, most of the time, because you're doing it out of love, you lose a fuck ton of money. <laughs> you actually just lose a lot of money, okay? And so uh, that's the thing. Oh, I mean, like, he refuses to scale up, but there's a good reason for that, right? Like, that, there's actually a good reason for that. I think it's kind of a right thing to try to keep it up as a little local and keep it scaled down because then you do finally run into that problem where it's starting to cost too much, right? It's starting to cost too much. Bum uh, is also doing, yeah, exactly, Logan, because if he quit the FGC, he can make 10 times more money putting that effort elsewhere. Exactly, exactly. A lot of these guys are doing it because they really love the scene. And that's the thing, we have to appreciate these TOs and what they're doing and how much effort they're putting into this. And so, you know, I get it. You're upset about Street Fighter VI and MK1 being at CEO Taku. But again, as like I said, the main point of this is we gotta have more empathy for the TOs. This narrative that TOs are just out there making money hand over fist is just not true. And as a result, we all got to do better. It's, it's, a, it's a team effort. CEO stands for community effort right? Community effort. And, and, and that's, that's what it was born out of, honestly. Um, that's it. So yeah, <laughs> if you actually look at Logan Sama's Winter Stays On account, and then you actually look at his Logan Sama Twitter account, like the amount of followers is like, <laughs> the DJ follower count is like ginormous, okay? So uh, again, like a lot of people, are, 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 we're taking our TOs for granted. That's just, that's the way to close this episode. We're taking our TOs for granted. So please just let's have a little more empathy, un be more understanding of what it is that they're trying to go through, et cetera, et cetera. So why do TOs try to get public event? Why don't TOs try to get public event grants like anime cons do in cities? Again, Moose TWT uh, asked this question. I kind of addressed this a little bit earlier. We don't have the numbers. 
Like, if you look at Anime Con, San Diego Comic Con, these kind of things, like, Evo has that number. That's why Evo got a key to the city. <laughs> and Jabali was actually hoping he would have something like that with Daytona. Because Daytona was like, that's awesome. This is crazy. We'll work with you. And then Daytona turned out to be a piece of shit. And Jabali was like, what the fuck? And so, yeah, like... We, he thought that, that he was going to be able to get something like that, you know? Uh, and so most of the fighting game tournaments are way too small. Way too small, dude. <laughs> and so there's, there, there's no way the city will care. There's no way that you can go to the city and be like, hey, we're running this fighting game tournament. How many people there? Jabali put out the numbers. There's 500 some entrants at CEO Taku. 500 people doesn't mean anything to the city. 500 visitors is barely a blip when you're talking about a city like Orlando that has Disney World <laughs> and Universal Studios to attract tourism into their city. <laughs> so, um,. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not happening that way. So again, be more sympathetic and empathetic to the TOs. Respect the TOs that we have that are putting the effort out there, out there because we don't want to lose them. And everybody who's ever said, I won't name names, but there was a TO that used to tell me that was like, Evo's not doing it right. Evo is not doing it right. Like, blah, blah, I could run a better tournament than Evo. And so he and his friend ran a tournament. And uh, one of my friends got to the tournament at 9 in the morning when you were supposed to get to the tournament. Didn't play his first match, I think, until like 10 p.m. or something like that because they came up with a different system that was better than pools and everything. And then the tournament was an absolute clusterfuck. And after Sunday was over, one of the TOs actually walked up to me and was like, man, I have so much more respect for what the Evo guys do now. I have so much more respect. And this was early Street Fighter 4 when the tournaments weren't even that big. Okay, when the tournaments weren't even that big. And so, again, people have no idea how hard it is to actually run a tournament and how expensive it is and stuff. And so if we lose our current crop of tournament organizers, will we have people come and step into place? And again, tied in with last week's discussion with everything working so well online, what's the impetus for them to try to run a major when they can actually do it for much less cost and maybe get just as many views on Twitch without having to rent out a giant ass expensive venue and pay $50,000 for internet for that weekend, why would they wanna do that instead of run just the event online? And so we have to support the TOs that we have. We have to trust them. We have to empathize with them. So at this point in time, I'll, I, as I normally do, I'm just repeating uh, a lot of stuff at this point. So unless anybody has any, any other comment that they want to add into the uh, uh, 500 people is a Viet wedding. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just saw that. Oh, my God. 500 people is a family reunion in the South. Oh, my God. 
Oh, dude. Ugh. In any case, unless anybody else has anything to add to this conversation, uh, I'm going to go ahead and call it uh, an end to this particular discussion. Again, I've got two more things to talk about over here, so we'll get to them. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, check it out on, uh, check out these ones. They'll be uploaded a little bit later. But um, if you're here on Twitch, don't go anywhere. I will keep up with those. So, But uh, again, thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for supporting my channel. Uh, really hope that the content here that I'm producing still uh, resonates with you and that you're still enjoying it. Trying my best to keep it up over here and keep going with this podcast every week and offer my viewpoint on a lot of topics. So uh so again uh i know and again sorry for starting late today because i know you guys are chomping at the bit for this podcast to start because for you guys this podcast is the most important day of your life but for me it was tuesday using my low tier character I'm the idiot <laughs> okay welcome everybody to it was Tuesday with your host James Chen aka Jay Chenzer if you're enjoying all the content that I've been putting out please like and subscribe and add a comment below because every comment you add means that I don't know what it means but it means that I can do better things for Nathan who is sitting over there and ignoring me right now any case we have been talking about some topics we've been talking about the TO conundrum about what TOs have to do basically to stay afloat check YouTube for that if you want to check out what that was all about but we're now going to talk about this being carried by top tiers because again me tweeting out stuff here causing some people to actually uh, dude i have no ability not to avoid people talking about stuff so let's just take a look at my tweets here so i wrote this tweet here that basically said uh i saw a tweet calling players who are 1400 to 1500 in masters beginners I find that highly disrespectful of all the players trying their best to make through make it through Platinum and Diamond. Fighting games are hard. Players in Platinum and Diamond are doing great. Keep it up. And then, uh, you know, Mature here says that, uh, you know, uh, I've seen players at Master Rank that lack basic fundamentals of fighting games. I responded basically, <laughs> I fought some dodgy Masters players as well. Mostly they're Kens. And sorry, Ken players, but Ken carries hard compared to the rest of other characters. Also, you'd be surprised at what level players have to understand the basic fundamentals of fighting games. I had some people actually get mad at me <laughs> for that Ken tweet because they were just like, what? Like, 
like, I can't believe you said Ken carries players. You're disrespecting people and like, you're absolutely just like uh, belittling what they're what the efforts that they've had to put into, etc., etc. And uh, I actually uh, let me see if I can uh, find that. Oh, I view post engagement. I mean, someone actually says. Uh, <laughs> Someone actually said, really shouldn't be out here getting triggered by James Chen or Twitter in general for that matter. But I really didn't think there'd be so much complaining by month four. And then uh, someone asked, what did James do? And the guy responded with, dude, dude plays Cammy. I don't get it. I'm tired of seeing people pl saying a top tier player base is carried when their character beats or is directly next to them on the tier list. One, I'm not playing Cammy. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm not playing Cammy right now. I'm playing Kimberly. So I have every right to complain about Ken. Uh, so my response was, I'm actually not playing Cammy right now, but tears exist. And Ken is super strong. He gets to do things that most other characters don't. You can't be mad at saying car Ken carries some players. It's what top tiers do. And this is kind of what I wanted to address here with this. There is no shame in using a top tier character and benefiting from it. I'm not, I have never once in my life ever said Angry Bird is a fraud for playing Ken in Street Fighter VI. Have I ever said that? Have I even ever implied that? Like, honestly, like, Angry Bird is picking the right character. If you are picking a top tier in a game, you're you're picking a correct character, right? So <laughs> Look, there is no shame of picking a top tier character at this point. And again, just because you say that you're being carried by that character, it's just it's just what tier lists are, right? If you say a character is an S tier, that's just basically saying, look, you, the character is doing a lot of work for you. That's literally all the tier list means. And so a lot of people are like, tier, ignore tier lists. And I'm like, no, don't ignore tier lists. Tier lists are valid, right? If I rank a character C tier, does that mean that they're useless? No, it just means that when you play the character, you know you're gonna have to put in a little more work than the other characters and that sometimes if you lose, it might not be your fault. <laughs> it might not be your fault, right? And so uh, honestly, um, they're picking a top tier character for the most part is the smartest thing to do. <laughs> honestly, uh, it's the smartest thing to do. Um, so if I'm saying Ken carries hard, it's kind of true, and it's the reason why I decided to play Ken in ranked yesterday. I started labbing Ken, and I started testing him out, and I'm just going to tell you this right now. Ken's greatest ability in Street Fighter VI is that he just has the ability to win. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to articulate it better, but he just has the ability to win when you need him to. A lot of characters can't do that, but Ken absolutely does. And so, like, he carries people. He does. 
Ken carries people, but again, that's the way it works, right? If I said an MVC2, Sentinel or Magneto or Cable carries you, like, are, pe are people gonna be mad even at the, if you play Chun-Li or Yun in Third Strike and I say Chun and Yun carry you? I mean, maybe, okay, Yun because his Ganagin combos are really, really hard to do. But if I say Chun carries you in Third Strike, like, do you think the Chun players are gonna get insulted? <laughs> You think the Chun players are going to be like, what are you talking about, man? No, what? You're disrespecting me. Like, dude, Vega, Claw? Claw in Super Turbo? Does Claw carry people in Super Turbo? Fuck yeah, he carries people in Super Turbo. Like, I, dude, I don't even think there's any Claw player out there who legit plays Claw who's like, nah, man. My effort in this game, I use so much effort and my strategy and skills should not, no, it's just like, I go, yo, 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 like, you know, claw go, you know, that's, that's basically what he is. Like, honestly, like, that's just the way it works, right? And the problem is, a lot of people want to think that their effort is meaningful, right? That they are to be rewarded for everything that they that their accomplishments are getting, right? That's the hard part. This is why people get frustrated when you say a character carries you, right? You get frustrated because you're like, no, I'm actually putting an effort. I'm putting in work. Like, I'm doing good. Don't belittle my effort. I'm not belittling your effort. I'm, whoa, Nathan just like stood up and started staring at something. I don't know what he started staring at, but it kind of freaked me out. Look, look, look at this cat, dude. What are you staring at, Nathan? What were you looking at? Jesus. Again, sorry for the messy desk, uh, but there's a reason why it's messy over there. Uh, as I've explained before. But uh, look, uh, again, like certain characters have a better ability to win. They just do. They just do. And I'm not belittling you for saying that a character carries you. You, just like anybody else, have the ability to pick any character. And if you pick a top tier character and I'm playing a low tier character, and I say your character carries you. Honestly, who's the idiot? <laughs> who who is the idiot? <laughs> Me. <laughs> I'm the idiot. <laughs> if I'm telling you that Ken carries players and I'm playing a low tier character and being mad about using my low tier character, I'm the idiot. <laughs> Okay, that's how it works. That's how it works. So again, if I'm saying a, a, a character is carrying you, it is not an insult. You are doing the smart thing. You're doing, you're playing the fighting game correctly. If your goal is to win, and again, this is, this is the hardest part, right? Everyone wants to feel like that their skill level is amazing, that they're justified in winning and they don't want to have anything attributed to anything else outside of their own skill. 
and you know, by the time you get to the highest levels and stuff like that, absolutely. Like I said, Angry Bird can play all the Ken he wants. He's not winning every single tournament. Ken's not winning every single tournament out there, right? We've been getting some crazy wins. Lily just won a tournament for Christ's sakes. You know, we are getting characters all over the place winning tournaments. And so, you know, it, 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 it's not like it's a free win with these characters, but goddamn does Ken carry people. <laughs> Because I played, I literally, day one, first day in ranked, played my placement matches, only lost three matches to a Diamond 5 Guile and one match to a Diamond 5 JP, who then I beat the second game and then he quit on me. Uh, and then I got placed into Diamond. And then I lost games here and there, but I didn't lose a single set. I didn't lose a single set except to a Blanca player. Except to, a, yeah, the people in the chat here who saw me play, they're like, yeah, James got a little drunk on that Ken power last night. Thank you for the subscription, Dumperoni Pizza. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, a Stanley, Grant, a Stanley Cup Grants. People pick low tier on purpose so they won't feel bad when they lose. Yeah, no, that's absolutely, I mean, as a low tier hero my whole entire life, playing low tier... I mean, I wasn't doing it so that I could not feel justified for losing. I did it because I wanted to embarrass people by beating them with bad characters. But you had the option select to be able to say, but my character sucks, that's why I'm losing. You have that option select. It's a great, great safety net out there, honestly. But again, like, I, I day one can... I was I was tearing through the ranks. <laughs> I, I was doing really really well. I think I had like a seventy five percent win per, win rate total uh, through all my games that night. So Ken carries, dude. Like I'm sorry, <laughs> Ken Ken definitely carries. Uh, like I said, he just has the ability to win. He has super easy ways to land confirms into level three supers. He has uh, neutral skipping moves like the heavy, the heavy dragon lash. Nobody knows how to fight Jinrai online, right? Nobody knows how. I Jinrai'd people, everybody to death. Like, because Jinrai requires a lot of studying on how to fight it. And most people aren't going to do the studying with it. So you get away with like 10,000 things <laughs> with the Jinrai. Like, people don't know how to fight the Jinrai kicks with Ken at all. <laughs> at all. And so, like, yeah, I, I you got to abuse people. And does that mean I got carried by Jinrai kicks? <laughs> yes! Do, do, did, you, did you guys watch me yesterday? <laughs> did you guys watch me yesterday? I Jinrai kicked everybody to death, dude. It was ridiculous. Dude, it was ridiculous. Like, that's the thing. It's like, just because there are ways to fight it, if most of the people you're fighting don't know how to fight it, <laughs> you're getting kind of carried at that point. So, uh, um, yeah, Origami Kingdom, it's the, it's the funky kicks. The kick into the low, the kick into the overhead, that move, right? That's what the Jinrai kick is. Uh, yeah, even I lab Jinrai kick, it is still an additional mental stack. Absolutely. 
uh, it's a tricky move to deal with. Uh, so for people out there who are going like, well, then James, how do you deal with it? Right? Well, uh, crouching medium kick into medium Jinrai, which is the common path that most people go to, uh, people were DIing it in between. So I would do that into the low kick an autopilot and get DI'd. But also keep in mind that if you block the low kick follow-up on the Jinrai, and this is the number one mistake most people make against the Jinrai, especially if the, the Ken does the low kick follow-up. If Ken does a low kick follow-up, he's minus five. He's minus five, which means an eight-frame button beats his four-frame buttons, okay? Because eight minus five is three, so eight will beat the four-frame buttons. So if you block the low kick part of the Jinrai, don't hit light buttons. <laughs> Stop hitting jab because that's what gets you killed. <laughs> because your jab comes out, he's minus five, you miss because he's out of spacing that you, you can't jab him. And then he does crouching medium kick and actually whiff punishes your jab. If you block the Jinrai, the low kick, for example, of your Chun-Li, just crouching medium kick. Just crouching medium kick after you block it. There's like literally nothing Ken can do except super or uppercut. EX up, OD uppercut. Like that's the only way Ken can beat your crouching medium kick or perfect parry, which exists. But outside of that, Ken can't challenge Chun-Li's crouching medium kick in that situation. Well, most people are letting Ken's get away with Jinrai after blocking the low kick part. The, the, the little part where he kicks at your shin. Like, that's one of the big things there. And then the biggest problem of Jinrai is you also have to pay attention to which Jinrai kick he does. Is he doing the heavy one? Is he doing the medium one? Light kick one, you can tell by the animation or by the dialogue, but it's not clear enough. I think people don't know the big differences between them and how you take advantage of that, etc. That's if you really want to get into high-level anti-Jinrai. So, right, a stand light kick can punish it. Uh, if the Ken spaces it badly. Most Kens won't space it badly. So you, you don't want to rely on that, uh, basically. So, but that's just kind of, you know, the way it goes. Like, most people don't know this about the Jinrai kick. So, when I played online, I Jinrai kicked everybody. I, there were rounds where I literally drained 80% of somebody's health by just doing a Jinrai kick combo. And then every time crouching medium kick hits and you go into medium Jinrai into the low kick follow-up, that's a level three super. So if I really wanted to, I could make it drain 50% of your life and kill you. <laughs> Actually, it'll do 40% because low medium kick scales so hard. But in any case, it still does a crap ton of damage whenever I need it. Like I said, Ken just knows how to win. And again, I talk about all this stuff and I'm not sitting here saying like, God, Ken, I mean like, yes, nerf Ken. Yes, do I want to nerf Ken? Yes, yes, of course. But if you pick Ken, you're not wrong. <laughs> if you're picking Ken and you're playing Ken online and winning with Ken, you're not wrong. Ken is the best character in the game. He is the best character in the game. I think that there is no question about that, that Ken is the best character in the game. And if you play him, you're not wrong. <laughs> because if he's easy to win with, keep playing him. <laughs> keep playing him, honestly. Oh, man. So Moose TWT, that heavy punch is a crime against humanity, okay? I, I, I hate Ken's heavy punch, but there's a reason why 
His heavy punch is so broken. And it's because at every range outside of absolute maximum rage of standing heavy punch, on a punish counter, crouching medium kick combos. Why? I don't know. Why does Ken standing heavy punch that reaches 10,000 miles away on punish counter always combo into his crouching medium kick, which is drive rush cancelable into huge damage into a setup in the corner? Why does it reach every single goddamn time off of one of the farthest reaching standing heavy punches in the game? Why? 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 <laughs> Why does this happen? <sighs> Anyways, I do hate fighting Ken. I, I, I hate fighting Ken because there's a lot of them. But again, why, why don't I play Ken? I'm doing so fine. I was doing fine with him yesterday. And if I've put in the time that I've put into Kim that I, uh, with Ken, I'd probably be dominating. I'd probably be doing super well in master ranks right now. You know, and, and I'd be winning and I'd probably be happy. <laughs> like, why, why, why do I keep running into low tiers? You know why I keep running into low tiers is because every character I find fun in a beta gets nerfed because of the beta. Damn it. God damn it. Stop it. Stop nerfing all my characters because of the beta. Fighting game devs. Stop it. Jesus Christ, dude. Let me have my fun. Jeez. Oh, man. So, again, you know, uh... <laughs> no, absolutely, Baron Spaghetti. I told myself I was going to play a top tier. And actually, uh, in Street Fighter VI, that I wasn't going to saddle myself with a low tier. I only stuck with Kimberly so long because I really thought she was top tier at first. Because, again, I made it to Masters with Kimberly at an 80% win rate, okay? Like, she carries a lot at low levels. Kimberly carries hard at low levels. Hard, because she has so much knowledge checks. But at the highest level, she crumbles. She actually gets crumb She crumbles really, really badly at the highest levels. And that's the problem with uh, Kimberly. And so... Um, I, I, I stuck with Kimberly for the longest time because I really thought she was legit high tier. I thought I had avoided the low tier problem, but as it turns out, she's not particularly that strong of a character. Now, having said that, uh, I do play Cammy, so I should just go back to Cammy, honestly. So, uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I really hate the idea of why doesn't everyone just play Ken because it kills games fast. This is the only major issue I see looming over Street Fighter VI. I mean, the thing is, like, basically the way to put it is, is not everybody is going to profit with Ken. Some people are not going to profit. Even if you give Snake Eyes Ken, is he going to do better than when he plays Zangief? I don't actually know. I don't think he will. I think he'll do better with Zangief than he would with Ken. Snake Eyes is good enough that he probably could win with Ken very, very well, but Zangief suits him a little bit more, right? Uh, it just, it, it does the character suit you? Does the character fit with you? Do you have a bond with that character? Do you have an affinity with that character, right? It's not always going to be that cut and dry with everybody. Just because Ken is the best character in the game doesn't mean everybody is going to do better using Ken. That's, that's just the truth. That is just the absolute truth. Now, 
Ken also happens to be in a position where he's still pretty basic. So a lot of care, a lot of people are going to be better with Ken. So we do see a high representage of Ken. But again, the game is three months old, <laughs> like three and a half months old. And so, you know what? Uh, let's just let it rock for a little bit. Let's see how it goes. Let's just see how it goes, honestly. Um, <clears throat> someone asked about Cammy com compared to Chun. We'll talk about that in the next section over here. So, uh, I play low tier, says Moose, because I like grapplers. And for some reason, Street Fighter devs feel like it's fair to have a character like Ken or Karin who dominate the game and make it unplayable for others with hit confirms and impressive normals. But it's unfair to have a high tier grappler. I think SF4 and season three Abigail traumatized them. No, 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 no. It's 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 just a general uh, development belief, and and it's because I mean, look at how many. It's not even that th those characters traumatize the devs. Do you see how much people complain about grapplers? Like Zangief sucks, and people think, and, pe and there are people out there who are like, good. Zangief doesn't deserve anything. Grapplers should die. Like, people hate grapplers. And someone posted up the Milia blocker. Someone posted up the Milia blocker online. And I was like, yo, I bring up Milia blocker all the time. Because Milia blocker proves that in, in older Guilty Gear games in XX, Milia is literally unblockable. Like, she has a four-way guess. And, yeah, you're going to die. <laughs> like, your chance of surviving Milia's mix are a lot lower than you surviving attack or command grab from the opposing grappler. The grappler, there's actually like a 50-50 chance that he might guess wrong. Millie, you're just like, whatever. That's it, you know? Like, but I use Millia blocker all the time as a proof that even when you have a character like Millia or like, uh, or like, um, what do you want to call it? Magneto or something like that. You have these ridiculous characters. There's still the false hope that you could have blocked it. They know what the counter is. Most casual players know what the counter is. It's just blocked. That's not the actual counter. But that's what they think the counter is, right? I could have blocked that. Why do you think everybody always says, I totally blocked that overhead? Why do you think in games like Third Strike, everyone's like, I totally parried that. I totally teched that throw. Like all of those things happen because they know what the answer is and they believe that they had the answer, but really the mix is so brutal that you didn't have the answer because you didn't tech it, you didn't parry it, and you didn't block that overhead. <laughs> But you believe you could have. Whereas when you fight a grappler and you get SPD, you're like, well, I could have. I don't know what I can do. Like, you literally have no idea what you're supposed to do. Or when you jump and then the grappler was like, you, you obvious, obvious jumper. And then they freaking like air SPD you or level one super you because they know how scared you are of the command throw. Like, that just makes it super easy to predict your jumps, right? And so it feels like you have no answer to the grapplers. And so they feel cheap. They feel cheap to you. But they're not that cheap. <laughs> They're not cheap, honestly. And uh, your chances of surviving a command throw are basically still greater than your chances of surviving against a lot of these mix-up characters, honestly. So, oh, a lot of pro players hate grapplers, dude. Look at Nemo, dude. Nemo thinks that Zangief is the scrubbiest character in the, in the, in the world. <laughs> he hates him, dude. 
Yeah, grapplers are always low tier. Zoners are always high tier. People hate grapplers, though, because they have weak blood. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to get this into the whole grappler conversation because I've already talked about this topic a million times. But, yeah, it's th that's the whole idea. And the crazy thing is Ken Ken's corner mix-up is more potent than Kimberly's mix-up. It really is. Even though Kimberly has, like, 7,000 options, she has to hit you, like, four times to kill you. Whereas Ken only hits you three, two times and you're dead. Three times and you're basically dead, right? And that's the thing. I th and Ken's mix-up in the corner is every bit as potent because in the end, what's Kimberly's mix-up? It's high-low block or attack. Or, attack, or throw or attack, right? High-low, throw or attack. That's Kimberly's mix-up. And Ken's, what's his mix-up? It's high-low attack or throw like he has the same mix-up except he actually gets to murder you from better ranges and do more damage so <laughs> i don't know what uh yeah and he has way more stable pressure he's not as reliant on his meter for combos so if he hits you with a combo he actually can have meter left over for drive rush cancels for extra pressure more often etc etc so that's the thing so uh, you've hated grapplers since BBCS and Iron Tiger because you were a Noel player. Yeah, but again, I mean, someone put this clip up of someone fighting a Zangief with Jamie and the Jamie was just dive kicking at Zangief all day. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Again, most of the people, the reason why they hate fighting grapplers is because they refuse to change their gameplay style. They don't understand that when you fight a grappler, you become a turtle. That's just what you do. And you play a turtle, and then all of a sudden, grappler's life is miserable. Uh, would modern Ken be as the same tier as classic Ken, or do we have not discovered a high-tier modern character yet? Uh, high-tier? Uh, there are some high-tier modern characters. I would say uh, high-tier, not top-tier. But high-tier Marisa, high-tier... Uh, modern Marisa, modern Chun-Li are pretty strong, I would say. Um, do you remember playing Potemkin and getting death threats? Jesus Christ. Uh, man. What, what's going on with my Discord, Tuhalu? What's going on? What's going on? Uh, oh, because you keep hearing the butuk, butuk, butuk on my on my stream over here. Dude, I don't even hear it. I don't even hear it. It's so weird, but I think everybody hears it and and wants to respond to it. I don't because I don't use Discord, so I just don't care. <laughs> Discord makes noises and I ignore it. That's just my whole life because I just ignored Discord. So sorry about that. So um, anyway, <laughs> this is not about grapplers again. Ken is top tier. Luke is top tier. JP is top tier. Do these characters carry you? Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. But at the same time, enjoy it dude you're the smart one you're the one playing the game correctly okay so what it's it's all good it's all good if i say a character carries you yeah the salt definitely implies that i'm saying you aren't skilled and that you are unworthy of your status because you're playing a strong character for sure, and that's why a lot of people will say that characters carry you. 
But honestly, if you're playing a top tier character and someone says your character is carrying you, you know what you should do? You should just turn to them and look at them and do this. <laughs> and that's it. That's all you should just do. You should just laugh at them. Because you're like, you're the idiot not playing the strong character, okay? <laughs> that's it. That's it. <sighs> All right. So that's it. Enough for top tiers. So, uh, yeah. I, I mean, again, if you've played a top tier character before and you enjoyed it, let me know in the chat. Let me know in the chat how fun it was playing a top tier and botting everybody and having a good time. Definitely let me know in the chat. Uh, also, just type a comment in for the engagement purposes. Uh, but other than that, make sure you like and subscribe. Thank you guys for continuing to watch my content here on youtube.com slash ultrachentv. Uh, this next topic here, I'm going to talk about Street Fighter VI in month three. And uh, we will uh, look, look for this on YouTube the next day. But otherwise, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for watching. For those of you on Twitch, stick around. But for those of you on YouTube, the day that this podcast graced your ears was the most important day of your life. But for me... It was Tuesday. It was Tuesday. Welcome everybody to It Was Tuesday with your host James Chen, aka Jay Chenzor. I see you, Blue Snow in the chat, came just in time, right when the stream started. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, but again, if you guys are tuning to this on YouTube over here, I have talked about uh, what TOs have to do to basically stay alive, and also talking about what it means to play a top tier character. Uh, but we're going to be moving on here and talking about Street Fighter 6. So after one month of Street Fighter 6, I did a stream where I kind of tiered, the, ranked the characters, and I talked about how I felt about the game so far. And, you know, people on the actual chat were like, hey, James, you should, like, do this every month or whatever like that. And I was like, eh, I don't know if that will would, would be, I don't know if people want to hear that. But honestly, just a while ago, I actually tried ranking the characters in a tier order that I kind of felt uh, was correct. And uh, it made me kind of just want to talk about it. Because uh, honestly, where we're at right now in Street Fighter VI, I, I actually do think we're in a great position. A lot of people out there are have been starting to say these things like, this game is horribly unbalanced. The top tier characters are too strong, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's just like it's just objectively false. <laughs> uh, that's just objectively false. Oh, thank you, Blue Snow. I need to do more technical videos like that. I need to do more technical videos. But uh, like literally, like it's just objectively false to say that Street Fighter Six is really unbalanced. 
because it is balanced, right? Like we literally just had Ending Walker win a tournament with Ryu, Snake Eyes win a tournament with Zangief, a Lily player just won a tournament recently as well. So uh, honestly, I, I feel like Street Fighter VI is in a really good position. Now, having, saying, having said that, you know, the characters who are the strongest in the game do make you feel bad. <laughs> they do make you feel bad because losing to some of these characters, I mean, it just feels like they can do anything they want, right? I mean, uh, in this video over here, I talked about how Ken just has the ability to win in Street Fighter VI. It's such a weird statement. Like, it's so nebulous and vague, and what does that even mean? What it really just means is that his ability to open you up and then capitalize off of that is just so strong, right? So he just has the ability to win, whereas you're using your character, and you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this character. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> What's up, Black Tyler? The Black Tyler? Yeah, Rue player, stand up. Let's go, but I don't think Ryu is that strong, unfortunately. Any case, um, uh, you know, even, even though I joke about Ryu not being that strong, but like, again, when you talk about tiers, you know, a lot of fighting games had D tier characters. A lot of games have F tier characters, like legit. And Street Fighter VI literally doesn't have any. So I really do feel like we're in a good position. So without further ado, let's just actually go over this tier list before I talk about all the other different things. Well, a lot of people are coming in and saying hi all of a sudden. Did I get raided by someone and I didn't see or something like that? Did I miss a raid earlier? Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure, uh, but, and then, oh, actually, you know what? Another stream might have just ended or something like that. But let's go to Tier Maker over here, and what I'm actually going to do here, and this is going to be interesting, this is going to be the interesting part here, is I am going to change the name of the tiers here to suit my own needs over here. And uh, this, this tier is going to be name I'm going to change even a little bit later. But I'm not gonna change it right now because what I'll change it to will be a surprise. Uh, what is this? So settings, so that's that color. This one, hi Nathan, is that color. This one will be that color. Yes, this one is. Wow, those two yellows look exactly the same. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, add a row below. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There we go. So we're gonna do this. And we'll change you to this, and then we will change you to this. Because this is really how I believe how the tiering actually pans out in this game right here. So let's talk about this for just a little bit here. So here's my tiers right now. This is where I feel like the game actually stands. And so, uh, again, this is just my opinion. Uh, but I think right now, in S tier, there's literally only one character. And sorry, let me move the microphone so you can still hear me. I think there is literally only one character, and I think that's Ken. I really do feel like Ken is uh, the strongest character in the game. I really, really honestly do feel like he's the strongest character. I, I feel like uh, he just has everything. 
it's like I said, when I used him recently, he just has an answer for every situation. Like there's no point in which you, you think to yourself, what am I supposed to do about this? Like he hasn't. And yes, does Ken have weaknesses? Yeah, he doesn't have a lot of plus normals. But it really doesn't matter because a lot of the times you're canceling into stuff and a lot of the times you're doing stuff at ranges where you can't be punished. So I just feel like Ken is really strong. Now, having said that, obviously there are uh, a lot of characters who are very, very strong as well. And so I'm not saying that Ken is heads and above everybody else. But all these characters in S tier, they're right there. They're, they're right there. Like, they're not even that far behind. I still have them in S, basically, S minus. And that, of course, is going to be Luke, who I actually think is the second best character in the game because, like Ken, he has everything that he needs and he has damage. Both of these characters are very similar situations where both of these characters kind of have what they need to win uh, I think Luke has a little bit harder time skipping neutral because he doesn't have the dragon lash as much and he doesn't have something like the Jin Rai kicks, which I think are actually uh, really just really strong, even at high levels. I think the Jin Rai kicks are really strong. So I have Luke over here. And of course, a lot of people are going to be asking me, James, what are you talking about? JP is clearly the second best character. He's killing everybody. I actually don't know if I'm convinced yet that JP is the second best character. Kakeru is obviously destroying everybody, but I think that's more Kakeru than anything else. It's just like the way Punk plays Kami. I think the way Punk plays Kami makes Kami look way better than she actually is. <clears throat> um, right, and then Luke also has that crazy requirement to have your perfect combos be exactly on the pro a proper timing and stuff like that. But I don't think JP is actually the second best character in the game. I think if you know how to fight him, you can actually fight him fairly decently. Um, having said that, I think JP is the third best. Because <laughs> I don't think JP really loses any matches. Uh, as much as people are like, oh, Cammy beats JP. No, it's Cammy doesn't beat JP. But we're also starting to see, like, Giles beat JP, which was supposedly, like, one of Giles' worst matches. Like, I mean, Knuckledoo says that he still thinks that match is horrible. But we're seeing more people understanding how to fight JP a little bit more. Right. So just wait for the snap and walk forward. Block a ground spike like I did in my Snake Eyes analysis video, block a ground spike. So for example, when I'm Kim and I block a ground spike, I run and slide. Like that hits a lot of JPs. The smart JPs will throw a closer ground spike. And so I run and slide into the ground spike. Now I have to guess. When I played as Ken against JP, I didn't have run and slide. But when I block the ground spike, I realize, I know that when you block the ground spike, it's a mix up time for JP. So sometimes he would do the closer ground spike and I would dash into it. So sometimes I would stay in place and he'd do the closer ground spike and then I could move forward, etc., etc. I understood where the moment to move was. So I was able to uh, handle JP. Sometimes I blocked the auto spike from the sky and then got hit by the ground spike. And I'm like, stupid, what am I doing? If you block the auto release of the portal spike, don't move because the ground spike is coming. You know, most of the time that I got hit by JP, I understood it was my mistake. And eventually I would end up beating the JP with Ken, right? Because I just, you, ha you have to understand how to fight JP. Now, obviously the other top players know how to fight JP. But again, 
fighting games can't have a solution to every problem. If there's a solution to the problem, then there's literally no problem. <laughs> Right? That's what I always say, right? If I can tell you how to beat a mix-up, then it's not a mix-up. It's useless. <laughs> the whole point of a mix-up is if he does this, you do this. If he does this, you do this. If he does this, you do this. Go. Yes. That's the whole point of a fighting game. So if I tell you how to get past JP's uh, zoning game, then he has no zoning game. So the idea is basically that you just have to know when is the time to make your guesses. And in the end, JP zoning is not what makes him strong. It's his offense. His offense is ridiculous. You can get rushed down and murdered by JP so badly. And so what Kakeru is actually doing is he's just outplaying people. Like he's just outplaying people. Again, like, it's, it, he's like, yes, does JP carry people? Yes. Is Kakeru being carried by JP? Not really. <laughs> Kakeru is just kind of ridiculous. Dude, he's kind of ridiculous. So I wouldn't just say like, oh, JP is clearly the best character. She's so good and da 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 da. Like he's, I actually feel he's more fightable than Ken and, and, and Luke is. Honestly, I really do. And then this is my big controversial pick here. This is my big controversial pick here because I know a lot of people don't agree with me. But there is just no part of me that can ever believe that this character isn't one of the best characters in the game. And I, I, he has so much more room to grow as he is right now. And that's Blanco. <laughs> it's Blanca. <laughs> this character is nuts. This character is so ridiculous. He does every goddamn thing he wants in this game. He has every mix-up. He's so scary. And he actually can legit turtle you. Why does a standing heavy kick knock you down? Why? Why does his standing heavy kick knock you down? Why? Out of the air. Why does he not need a counter hit to knock you down out of the air with standing heavy kick? Why does he get a full combo off of one of the best anti-air buttons in the game? Why? Why does his air EX block a ball plus on block? Why? He's really, he's the best install super in the game. Like the, the, the Blanca chans are way better than Kimberly spray paint. Like, honestly, like, it's crazy. It's that time again. I ain't Nathan. So, like, honestly, I just, I can't see how Blanca is not the best character. You see the things that Mena RD are, is doing with this character, and it's crazy. And he doesn't spend the majority of his time on Blanca. If Mena RD, I feel like if he just focused only on Blanca, like, this character is... I think this character is ridiculous. I, I really honestly think that this character is ridiculous. So this is my one pseudo hot take. Now, um, blah, cat hair. <laughs> dude, two, two, dude, Liang Liang, Liang Liang, uh, in China, dude, that ICFC, the Blanca, dude, that guy was ridiculous, dude. <laughs> 
That guy is nuts, dude. Oh my god. Holy crap, that character is crazy. I mean, that player is crazy with Blanca, dude. That guy's nuts. All right, so here's, here's where I cop out a little bit. Here's where I cop out a little bit, okay? So I said I was going to call this A, but I was going to change the name of this, okay? Here's my A tier, but I cannot order this tier. All the, every time I look at this, these four characters coming up and I try to rate them before, between each other, they keep jumping around and I cannot figure out who goes where. Like, I legit cannot argue one way or the other because every time I'm like, no, this character's clearly in ridiculous. Like, clearly ridiculous. Then I look at the other characters and I'm like, no, this character is clearly ridiculous. This character is clearly ridiculous. I cannot rank them. And it's probably not hard to guess as they are, as JP is trying to do in the chat over here. And he's not far off because he's pretty right about that one. Uh, where is Cammy? I'm putting them in alphabetical order here. DJ, Guile, and Jury. I cannot order these characters here. I cannot order them. Because <laughs> every time I think Cammy is actually the worst of these four, you see what Punk is doing and you're just like, God damn, this character is just so crazy. Yeah, Jury, dude, Jury, like, should she be? I, I don't know. Like, like, that's the problem. Like, J-Dog asked, like, does Jury win a lot of things? Like, a lot of juries make it far and then they always, like, fall short. Like, it's so crazy. It's so crazy. If, if I had to rank these characters in an actual order, me personally, this is me personally, I can't even necessarily, I can't even just, like, I don't know if other people would agree with me on this one. Me personally, like, I feel like maybe this is the order. Jury, Guile, DJ, Cammy. But, like, everyone's going to be like, are you seriously rating Cammy 8th best in the game? <laughs> like, are you actually rating Cammy 8th best in the game? And people are going to be mad. There's some people who think Guile is, like, the, the, the second best in the game. Maybe even the best of the game. It's so hard to say. Like, I can't actually order these characters because my mind on them changes all the time. If I went for by my initial gut, this is what I would put. This is probably what I put. And again, since this is my tier list, I shouldn't cop out with this not ordered. I should just put them all in here. But it's so hard. Like, these four characters can do basically everything. And uh, they're just not as strong as these four. That's just it. That's the only reason why they're an A, because they're just not as blessed as these four characters. But outside of that, like, these four characters are ridiculous, dude. These characters are literally ridiculous. So, yeah, I mean, DJ and Jury, drive rushes are ridiculous. The only reason why I personally put Cammy this far down is because I think her drive rush is just, like, super, like, bad. So, Rayo Ayanami, I would say this is a mix, but not between your ability. This is, like, a general, right? Like... How good are they at every level that they can help you with, basically? Uh, not m as much as the beginners, but high to tournament levels, right? How 
can you can you win tournaments with these characters but at the same time like like i don't want to do the whole thing of like the best players in the world are playing them i used to always go that route and i just don't prescribe to that anymore i just don't prescribe to that anymore so uh, why DJ does Marisa damage? That is a great question. And see, that's the thing. is like this order here is probably the most I don't know. Like DJ and Guile, I don't know. I really don't know. I couldn't tell you who I would actually put after Jury. Like this, these two, like, because I'll fight DJ sometimes and I'd be like, you can't beat DJ. This character's unbeatable. And then I'll fight Guile sometimes. I'm like, you can't beat Guile. Guile is unbeatable. <laughs> so it's really, I mean, Moose, if you're a Zangief player, I mean, of course you're going to think Guile is better, right? Because that's just, that's just annoying. Guile doesn't need to be close to you. DJ likes to be close to you, so you might actually fight, be able to fight him. So uh, right under there, I think, are the characters that have the absolute potential to join this crew of not-ordered characters. So they are not that far behind the A-tier characters. They're just right there. And I'm going to put Chun-Li right here because Chun-Li, I think, is really, really strong. I think she has everything to be one of the best characters. She's just really, really hard to use. Probably one of the harder characters to use, which is a, which is a, a, new, a new one for Chun-Li. <laughs> uh, and then the other character here, I will put Rashid. Actually, Harv was saying in the chat, I'm curious about Rashid, where he stands. Uh, I really think that these two are the characters that are right there with these guys. In a few more months, by month six, let's just put it this way, I wouldn't be surprised if Chun and Rashid were in the same level as these four. Uh, I would not be surprised. Some people, like Logan, have actually said that they believe Rashid will be top tier eventually. And I don't think he's wrong. Rashid is actually kind of ridiculous. He's just really stubby and neutral, thank God. But, like, he's really, really strong. So I think, I think this is kind of how I have it right here. This is basically, for me, like, the strongest characters in the game because I think the separation between Ken, Chun, and Rashid is not that big, honestly, honestly. Yeah, awful anti-air is kind of holding him back. That is true. The fact that his anti-airs just get stuffed is definitely true. So uh, Moose says that Marisa is in between Chun and Rashid. Well, I have Marisa next, okay? So she's clearly the best character. She's the most top-tier character that's not top-tier. <laughs> like, because she can't lose. Every matchup is, an, is at worst even for her because if she hits you, you die. That's it. You're dead. That's it. It's game over. You die. However, she just still has weaknesses, right? Obviously, she has no anti-throw wake-up. That is going to be... That is always going to be one of the biggest weaknesses. Because here, let's also put it this way, okay? OD wake-up. OD wake-up. OD wake-up. OD wake up, 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 and ah, ah, OD wake up. Right? This is not a coincidence. There is nothing coincidental, coincidental about the way that I, my perception has put these and why I can't put Marisa in the same tier as all the other characters. 
because while OD Scutum does beat Lowe's, you can bait Scutum out with jab into drive rush, a drive impact, for example. That actually kill. like, I, I don't know if it works with other characters, but Kimberly, if you see Scutum, if I do jab canceled into drive impact, that beats it, right? And then she can't beat throws. She just, she can't beat throws, right? That's, that's the problem. She doesn't have a way to stop uh, throw. Yeah. And absolutely. Odie wake up is the reason Kim is not there anymore. If she had an Odie wake up, she'd be right up there with everybody else, honestly. Um, but you'll start to see the, the theme here is that now all, these are all the characters who are super good and their weakness is that they don't have the Odie wake up, right? Because right after Marisa, I have Dalsum. He's amazing. He doesn't have an Odie wake up. <laughs> That's like his biggest weakness, right? This is the biggest problem with this character, uh, honestly. This is, this is where Dalsum suffers. I mean, he has a lot of little other weaknesses, but as I've said multiple times, Dalsum is a character that needs everybody else to optimize so that he can optimize. Dalsum is a counter character, right? Until you optimize your character, Dalsum has to kind of wait to see how he optimizes against you because he's always going to have a different way to counter all the different things that you are able to do. And so while everybody is still kind of... So yes, that honestly means one of the best ways to fight Dalsum is to be as random as possible. Uh, I literally lost... So I was in Battle Hub playing Ken against the Dalsum and the Dalsum beat my Ken. And then another Ken challenged him and that Ken was the drive impact jumping... EX Tatsu show you in the middle of nowhere master and almost and did better against the Dalsum than I did. <laughs> he did better against the Dalsum than I did with my calculations and stuff like that. So like that's why uh, yes, it's actually better to be kind of random against Dalsum so that he can't optimize his defense against your optimized offense. But Dalsum, I think, has a lot of room to grow. I think this character will get stronger as time goes on. Will he reach these, this vaunted A and S tier? I don't know, and probably not, because he has no OD wake-up. Again, being knocked down is just not fun, dude. It's, the corner pressure in this game is too strong. All these characters here, all these characters, they get you in the corner, you're dead. All of these characters, all four of these characters, maybe not Chun as much, but at least the other nine characters, and probably Chun, they get you in the corner, you're just dead. And you know what the worst part about it is? Every one of these characters down here, they get you in the corner and you're kind of just dead. Like, <laughs> that's the name of this game. And if you don't have, I really honestly believe if you do not have an OD wake up in this game, you're basically just, you can't be top tier in this game. You just can't be top tier in this game. I firmly believe everybody needs an OD wake up. Now, I want it to be creative. Aki looks like she has an OD escape like Fong. So it looks like she just kind of, you know, creeps out of the corner. So I think that's her OD wake up. Like I said, I want to give Dalsum a special move, which is down in three kicks which makes him OD float into the sky and then throw a fireball faster than he can float and throw a fireball manually. And while he floats on the way up, he's invincible. So he goes up in the fireball out of the air. So basically it's like an invul get into the air, throw fireball move. 
The problem is that that's kind of useless because you block the fireball and then you murder him, right? Because he's right next to you. Well, you can cancel the initial invul teleport, the, the flying part, into a teleport that goes across the screen for another two bars. <laughs> so it costs him four bars to escape, right? You, we, can, we can be creative with this. Like, even if we made it so that Odie Scutum doesn't counter throws like JP, but what if Odie Scutum just tech throws? Like, just automatically tech throws so nobody has an advantage, right? Or, you know, so, stuff to that degree. That, that's kind of what I'm hoping for, uh, honestly. I'm, I'm hoping that we can come up with creative ways to make OD, wake up uh, OD moves, OD escape options. Because, uh, honestly, Marisa and Dalsim, if both of these two characters did gain legit OD wake-ups, like... They're like here, like, like, <laughs> like, it's not like a lot of the other characters where if you gave them an OD wake up, they would probably jump up to A tier. Like these two, like Marisa would jump up to S minus, like, like that. Dalsum would probably jump to A tier, but Marisa, if she had a legit OD escape, this, this character is a problem now. Like she is, she's terrifying. So we have to be careful. And the reason why Scutum is, is an interesting one is because you can hold Scutum as well, right? If Odie Scutum had a fixed timing like JP, then I think you could make it counter throws, but because she can hold it and then have follow-ups out of it, you can't do it. Like that would be super broken, super broken. Uh, next on the list, and I rate her higher than most people is Kimberly. Uh, I really think this character is very, very strong. <laughs> I really do. I, I think this character is stronger than a lot of people give her credit for, but she just doesn't have an OD wake up. I think she's really good. Uh, although I will say that the next character after her, which is Honda, these two, I flip flop back and forth on them. But Honda's a character that you can kind of figure out. And I am a little bit biased because my character fights Honda well. Kim can actually fight Honda pretty decently. So it makes it so that my, my take on this is a little bit tainted, right? Uh, but I think that Kimberly is really strong. I think she's way stronger and I think she's only going to get stronger because even now as i play her i keep finding better mix-ups with her i find new routes with her i find new knockdowns that lead to some really cool shit that i just had no idea was a thing before like i keep finding new things that i'm like wait i didn't know this comboed you know uh but i so kimberly uh the nice thing is that you know you do have to learn how to perfect parry the headbutt a little bit but even if you don't perfect parry it a lot of times if you block the headbutt your standing medium kick can annoy him but he's minus four he's not in a great position and then kimberly's crouching fierce just murders butt slam now obviously honda can change the three different timings of the butt slam which makes it a little bit trickier but even if honda kind of falls behind you or in front of you your Crouching Fierce beats it. You get a knockdown hit. So you get Crouch Fierce and the Heavy Tatsu every single time. Uh, your B tier are knowledge checks. That's a great way to put it, uh, Solzan. Yeah, I, I can see that a lot of times. Yeah, a lot of these characters are knowledge checks here. But that's who I have in B. In B minus, sadly, how the Mighty has fallen is Manon. Uh, 
who I feel like has gotten weaker and weaker and weaker as the game has moved on. Now, there are obviously people like Idom and, uh, God, who's the player in EU who still keeps doing well with Manon? Like, I know there's a U in his name. I know there's a U in his name. <sighs> Not Luffy. Uh, God, who is, what is the player? Someone in the chat's got to know this. This got to remember this guy's name over here. Uh, random. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. Random. Thank you, Lamel. Lame LV. Um, yeah, Luffy, I think, dropped Manon, I think. Isn't random EU? Isn't he EU or is he not EU? Anyways, Manon still has some juice, but she's gotten weaker. And uh, honestly, the biggest problem with her is that her offense is kind of one-track minded, right? Like literally she's, I'm next to you and am I going to command grab you or hit you out of your pre-jump frames with this thing? Meanwhile, the entire time being very DI-able. I say this, and I think this is one of Kimberly's worst fights. I hate fighting Manon, but still, like, Manon, her range is pretty decent, but, you know, it's, it's that mix-up. Or back medium kick, medium kick, drive rush, which is expensive, but then what does that mix-up give you if they block the overhead? It's the same mix-up. Am I command grabbing you, or am I hitting you with this thing that hits you pre-jump frames, right? She's, she just doesn't have enough. She just doesn't have an, oh yeah, so there you go, random is Germany, German, there you go, thank you, so confirmed, uh, confirmed EU, there you go. So, but again, some people like Idom and random are making her work, so I, I can't say that she's really bad, but she's there. This one's the tough one here, is Jamie and Ryu. Uh, what order do they go in? I actually put Jamie above Ryu. Uh, because I think Jamie, one, has the drive rush, Stan Fierce, is ridiculous, is so good. Uh, his sweep is really, really good, obviously. Well, it's good against Kim, because Kim can't hit crap uh, after you block that move. But then also, honestly, when he gets level four drunk, I mean, he's got the best command throw in the game. And it's just super freaking scary, dude. And it's like, this... <sighs> This is, this, he's, Jamie just keeps go, getting stronger. He's only still kind of down here because most of the Jamie players will tell you that he's not particularly strong. And I know that the downplaying is a concern, but again, I, I get it. Jamie has weaknesses, but I think this character is still, I mean, I am tempted to move Jamie above Manon. And I'm almost tempted to move Jamie over there right now, but for by the by the merits of the fact that guys like Idom and Random are doing well with Manon and Manon has been dropping and Jamie has been rising I'm keeping Manon above Jamie for now the reason why I have Ryu ranked this low I don't think Ryu is bad again B minus is not a bad character is he bottom three in my list yeah but he's not a bottom character Yes, like uh, Frito Verdes says, Verdes says, Ryu hits like a truck. He hits like a truck. Like you make a mistake and you're like, oh God. The biggest problem with Ryu, and I think everybody will know exactly what I mean, even though this doesn't mean anything. Ryu is extremely fightable. 
this is Ryu's weakness, is that he's so fightable. With every character that you play in the game, when you fight Ryu, there's nothing that Ryu does that oppresses you. If the Ryu is good, he's going to fuck your shit up. But there's nothing Ryu does that doesn't feel like, oh, I could have gotten away from that. And it's not the false thing like you're trying to get away from Blanca mix-ups and stuff like that. Like, legit, you're right. You could have fought Ryu. Like, you, like there's nothing he does that feels inherently oppressive or what do I do about this? Like, he does the donkey kick from far enough away that you can't punish him. Stop trying to punish him. Block the donkey kick and walk away. You're not getting chip damage. The solution is not that hard against perfectly spaced donkey kick. Yeah, he's honest. That's, that's, that's the biggest problem with him. He is extremely fightable. I will see Ryu's when I fight them online. And I'm like, I'm never scared. I never go, oh God, Ryu. Even though some Ryu's like push my shit in, right? Like I, I get bodied by these Ryu's and I'm like, holy crap, what just happened? But at the same time, every time I see Ryu, I'm never like, I'm, oh God, I'm scared. Like every time I run into Jamie, I'm like, oh God, Jamie. I don't want to fight Jamie. You know, you fight against a Dalsim or a Honda. You're like, God, I don't want to fight these guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ryu doesn't give you mental stack like Ken. This is also another really good way to put it. And of course, C tier. Uh, I don't think anyone's really questioning this right now. Lily and Zangief. And obviously, a lot of people are starting to waffle on this, that maybe Zangief is actually better than Lily. And yeah, it's really hard to say at this point because, I mean, the, the thing about Zangief, though, is that if you're a grappler player, as you saw from Moose on stream earlier, as you see from Snake Eyes, as you see from all the Zangief players out there, grapplers are loyal as fuck, dude. They are so loyal. Grapplers are probably one of the most loyal fan bases out there. So even if Zangief is bad, and this is kind of why fighting game devs can get away with making their grapplers bad, is that grappler players won't stop playing them. And I admire that so much. I, I love your guys' tenacity. And I normally would have had that tenacity, but I told myself I wasn't going to play a low-tier character before I got into Street Fighter VI, okay? Zangief is a lower tier character. I'm not going to play him. If he gets buffed, I'll get back to him for sure. But they are loyal. And I'll tell you this right now. All the Zangief players you run into online are a pain in the goddamn butt to fight. Also because a lot of them are copying Snake Eyes. <laughs> a lot of them are copying all of Snake Eyes' stuff. And it's really annoying. And do I lose the Zangiefs? Absolutely. But here's the thing. Not a lot of people are going to find success with this character. Not a lot of people. If you take a giant pool of a thousand players and make them play through each of these characters, Zangief will probably have the least success out of all of those uh, characters here. It's not easy to win with him, and it's very discouraging. And it's so frustrating, dude. <laughs> it's so frustrating. Uh, depends on which series you play, Rayo Ayanami, uh, because, uh, 
Name me the second grappler in Guilty Gear. <laughs> and name me all the zoners in Guilty Gear. There's a lot of zoners in Guilty Gear. Name me the second grappler in Guilty Gear. So it depends on the series. <laughs> Soul. Yeah. <laughs> Soul is largely a grappler. Honestly, because if Soul didn't have Wild Throw in all the old games, he'd be pretty shitty. And he gets so much damage off of them. But in the end, you know, he's a strike throw character. He's like Laura. Like, I barely count Laura as a grappler. You know what I mean? But, you know, like, at, in terms of, like, super pure grappler, like Zangief Potemkin style, like... There is no second one in Guilty Gear. There never has been a second grappler in Guilty Gear. Some people have said ABBA, you know, okay, maybe. <laughs> but like, like in terms of like a pure grappler, I mean, you could call Kai a grappler for Christ's sakes. Run up throw is like in the Bible of Kai, like in doubt run up throw, that's like Kai. Uh, but honestly, like in terms of pure grappler status, like, yeah, the grappler players are loyal, man. They they really are. And the, the the effort that the grapplers have been putting in for Zangief is really impressive. And seeing what people are doing with this character online is really heartwarming and impressive. Because they fight hard, man. They fight hard. The hardest part about Zangief, honestly, is you have to figure out the kind of Zangief you're fighting. I fought two Zangiefs with my day one Ken. They both beat me game number one. I ended up winning the set. Because you have to know what kind of Zangief you're fighting against. As soon as you figure out the type of Zangief you're fighting against, you can fight the Zangief, right? Is this a jumping Zangief? Is this a scared more passive Zangief, etc., etc.? The reason why Snake Eyes is the best Zangief in the world is because he'll always lose game one and then destroy you the next two games. Or he'll almost lose round one, make the dumbest comeback, and then win the next, the win the two games straight because his ability to adapt to his opponent is second to none. Snake Eyes will get absolutely slaughtered the first round by just stupid shit, and then he just makes the guy look silly the next few rounds. It's it's uncanny how Snake Eyes does this. He just knows the human archetype so so well dude it's crazy and so honestly like yeah uh, that's one of the problems when you fight Zangief if you do not understand how you have to process the kind of Zangief that you're fighting against you will lose to Zangief but one you become a turtle and two you have to know which avenues the Zangiefs prefer as soon as you learn which avenues the Zangiefs prefer then you can take them apart little by little. So that's kind of the main thing about Zangief. But again, are we going to get to a point where legit it's this? We're not far from this, honestly. I will honestly say that. I will honestly say we are very close to not having a seat here in this game at all. I mean, like... Maybe if Mariza gets into A minus, like we could actually have something more like this. Like, I feel like we're getting there. So as much as I still think Zangief and Lily are the two worst characters in the game, I think they're getting stronger. What about Zangief piloted by Snake Eyes? 
Zangief piloted by Snake Eyes. There we go. That's a S stands for Snake Eyes, right? I mean, honestly. We didn't talk about Lily enough. Lily is a character that her biggest problem is she's too one-track minded. Now, the one track that she has is really strong. The 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 wind wind-clad condor spire is really, really good. And this is the hardest part. I said this even in the one month uh, stream is that Lily is a character that if you buff her in any way right now, she might be too strong. Because Windclad Condor Spire is still the most broken move in the game. Windclad Condor Spire and EX Windclad Condor Spire is the best special move in the game. I mean, like, I, I think she could just, I think she could have the OD uppercut and be okay. I really think that, she, like, having just an OD uppercut would maybe put her into B or A minus. I don't think it would make her broken, JP. Uh, but the big, the hardest thing about balancing Lily is that OD Condor Spire is too strong. I'm sorry, not OD, Windclad Condor Spire. Both versions are too strong. They're the best special moves in the game, right? So, uh, dude, you take that back about Kimberly, dude. Kimberly's awesome, dude. Kimberly is the most fun I've had with a fighting game character in a long, long time. So don't, don't you dare speak ill of Kimberly, okay? <laughs> Kimberly's amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. I have not had this much fun with a character in a long time. <laughs> what the hell? Who has an upside-down modern? Oh, that's yours? Nice. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, I feel like the game is really balanced. Now, this honestly is, I think, a really, like, no matter, like, even if you think I have, Blanca, I said, is my only hot take. Blanca's my only hot take. But if you're anybody else and you look at this list, I don't think anybody can really look at this list and be like, nah, you nuts, you're crazy. I think this is a pretty accurate at this point right now. I think, I think this is kind of where we're at at this point. And you missed it earlier, TJ. I talked about how I do think JP is just more frustration death that he's actually like, you can fight him as long as you know, it's actually his offense that's a problem. We'd have to nerf some of uh, JP's offense, but he's got a few like little weird weaknesses here and there that I think that uh, that you need that people don't take advantage of properly. Uh, but I think that this is a pretty good list. Now, yeah, this part right here will have some contention for sure because some people are gonna move this around. But I think most people are pretty aware that Ken is the best character in the game. Because honestly, like after Ken, these uh, seven, eight, nine characters right here could be reordered in any order and everybody will look at it and be like, yeah, okay, I can see that, I can see that. Uh, is this list a reflection of evil results? No, no, it's, it's a reflection of lots of things, of everything that I've been seeing. I mean, it might look like a, a weird coincidental evo thing, but I, I, I mean, Punk got third place, right? And I, I, I still personally have Cammy eighth. Right, I'm only just listing them alphabetical o over here because it's impossible for me to order these four. Uh, I'll just do alphabetical. There you go, alphabetical. Because uh, I, 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 I can't, 
I can't figure out the order uh, for these four characters. Every day, I'm always like, God, Jury's so broken. Clearly, she's the fifth bet. Oh, my God, DJ's clearly the fifth. Oh, my God, Guile's clearly the Oh, my God, Cammy's clearly the fifth. Like, I waffle on these four, like, constantly. And I cannot, I cannot order these because it changes. It just depends on who I fought last. Fifth place is whoever I fought last and got most annoyed by recently is fifth place is just really what it comes down to, which is what most tier lists come down to in the end is what annoys you the most. Um, but so I can't order these four. I can't, I can't do it. Uh, not tiered. Alphabetical. Yeah, God, it's so complicated. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Forget it. I'm just right now, no order. Whatever. You they'll understand. You know what I mean. Uh yeah, that happens a lot, TJ, when you lose the Ken. I definitely feel like I lose the Ken a lot of times more than the player. That's why I have Ken in his own tier. <laughs> Uh, but this is kind of where I am. Now, I did say down here the systems. Uh, I definitely want to mention that I, 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 I hate dry, perfect parry. I hate the perfect parry mechanic so much. Like, it's the one thing that I will complain about the most in terms of uh, Street Fighter Six mechanics. Like, I, I, I hate perfect parries. The reason why I hate perfect parries, Ancient Crystal, that you're asking is that the two-frame window makes it too obscure and unreliable enough that you can't spend your life anticipating people are going to perfect parry you. You can't let perfect parry change your offense or your decision-making or your mix-ups because they're unreliable enough that if you... Kill your own opportunities worrying about perfect parries all the time. You're going to lose. You're going to lose. But the problem is when the person does perfect parry you, the game can end. <laughs> like you can literally die because you got perfect parried. Like someone joked, uh, I think it was uh, Labrutus was joking. He was like, What's your bad balance takes? He's like, make perfect parries four frames. And I'd be like, you know what? I'd rather have it be that way. Because then, like third strike, everybody will be trying to parry everything, and I can just throw you to death. I can actually change my game plan to throw you to death. The only time I do it is when I notice my opponent per parries my jump-ins every single goddamn time. Then I just empty jump and throw. I kill a lot of people with empty jump and throw when they parry my jump-ins all the time. But here's the thing. Yes, if you make it four frames, perfect parry might actually become weaker because you can rely on people trying to do it. Now, obviously, the reason why it's a problem is because of the uh, gaps in moves and stuff like that. But again, you get people so tempted to perfect parry everything throw you can kill somebody in th five throws if they perfect parry 
right? Like, honestly, like, if you do Ken Crouch medium kick into nothing, and they go parry, and you walk up and try to throw them, or you drive cancel in the throw, and they perfect parry, like, <laughs> like, you only need to do that five times, and they die, <laughs> okay? <laughs> They're dead. Uh, you know, that's just the thing, is, like, if, if my opponents are gonna, and that's the reason why third strike works, even though with the parries, is because even though there are so many parries, there's so many ways to blow people up that guest pairing is considered bad, right? It gets you killed, even though you can option select it in those games. And that's the thing, is if perfect parries were actually easier to do, then everybody would be trying to do it on their wake up. Everybody will be trying to do it on their wake up, and then you just throw them all day, dude. And if they perfect pair me, well, I lose 50%, right? It's like, but I can plan for it. That's the thing, is like... I, I, I can do it. I can do it. I can plan for you to try to perfect parry my stuff so I can bait you and throw you. Kim run into nothing into throw would be super powerful because everyone wants to perfect parry every goddamn thing because people feel cool about it. So that's actually why I don't like perfect parries. I, I've disliked them since the very first day. As soon as I found out how perfect parries work, I was like, I wish they would just remove perfect parry. I just don't want them here because the way that I pictured perfect parries working is exactly how it's playing out. It's exactly how it's playing out. It's too difficult to plan your strategy around defeating it that you're just going to have to fall victim to it many times. Because if I do throw in the drive rush button and you try to perfect parry on your wake up, you're going to miss a lot of times. And then I just keep maintaining my pressure exactly how it is. But now I just have to deal with the fact that you might perfect parry me. And it's just like, uh, it's just like, I don't like that. I don't like that concept behind it. So I'm not a fan of perfect parries. I don't even care about drive rushes, honestly. Uh, I think drive rushes are fine how they are. I would just extend their hurt box forward a little bit when you drive rush. That's all. That's all I do. Otherwise, I think they're fine the way they are. Yes, even Jury and DJ, even though their drive impacts are are just like are, are crimes against nature. But like whatever. Like it's cool having different characters have different strengths with their drive rushes. It's fine. And uh, at least if you block, you're just in a mix up. You don't die, right? Like drive impact, you die. And I still freaking hate drive impacts, but I know that's my problem more than anything else. So I know that my saltiness, uh, my saltiness with drive impacts, but I mean, I still do think drive impacts are a little too strong. I do think that in burnout, you should be able to throw a drive impact. So uh, between heavy punch and drive impact. Well, no, I changed my mind because when you're in burnout, you should die. You should die. That's you. That's it. You should just die. So uh, that's fine. But I do think drive impacts might be a little too fast right now. Uh, yeah, DIs only absorb two hits. Uh, but if they only absorbed uh, one hit, they'd be useless. They'd be useless. Like everybody would just blow them up all day. Because like you can't drive impact in between a buffer. So, like, for example, if I do a, a, a true block string, like, you, if you have a true block string that's safe, like, you're never getting DI'd. That's just it. You're never getting DI'd, right? 
so I just, I don't know. Do I feel like they should be slower? Or I just feel like that if you're not burned out, if you get drive impacted against the wall, you should just lose a block of your drive gauge. You just lose a whole block of your drive gauge and you're stuck in like a guard break state in which you can't do anything but block. So at least that way the opponent gets pressure on, he gets free pressure on you while draining your drive gauge. Like I would like something like that, right? Like I, I kind of like that. That's kind of what I want to do, uh, to be honest. Um, yeah, if there was a little bit more risk to drive parries, maybe it'd be okay to have them be as, you know, be how they are right now. But again, my complaints about drive impact are obviously very selfish and tainted by the fact that I can't stop a drive impact to save my goddamn life. Uh, and every time my opponent finds out I can't stop drive impacts, like, I lose. Like, as soon as my opponent realizes I can't stop drive impact, they're like, oh, he's one of these guys. And then I lose and I just get so mad. I get so mad because now it feels like I'm losing for no reason, basically. But I'm clearly losing because I'm not reacting to the drive impact. And it's not to do, like, and it's not that I don't have it in my mental stack. I, I think the best way someone described it is I have too much in my mental stack just by nature. Just by nature. And so it's hard for me to just empty my brain out enough so that I don't have, like, I don't get lost with too much information in my brain. So, like, I'll sit there and I'll be like, drive impact's coming, drive impact's coming, and drive impact comes. And I'm like, so wait, <sighs> you know, at this point in time, I should probably think about, oh, wait, he's doing something. Is that a drive impact? Oh, yeah. I think that is, and then I'm dead. You know, like, that's just it, so. I mean, you should absolutely use it as much as, as, as much against me as possible because I need to learn, dude. I, I need to learn how to counter it. And I've gotten better at countering it. I've actually countered them by reflex on button cancel into drive rush. Like, they'll drive impact my button, and then I cancel the drive rush. I can actually drive impact that now on reaction, which has shocked me many, many times. But, like, raw drive rushes and just single button into drive rush, I get destroyed by it, honestly. It's, it's really crazy. It's really bad. But, again, I, I, I don't know if drive impacts are bad. I don't know if they're bad. Because, obviously, my opinion is so tainted but I don't feel the same way about perfect parries. Like, I'm not getting wrecked by perfect parries, but it's just sometimes you get perfect parried and you're like, well, there's really no strategy against this. <laughs> you know, like, I'm just walking around and I decided to do this, perfect parry. What really is the strategy against that? You can't account for it. And that's kind of what bothers me about perfect parry. And in the, that's the in perfect parry continues to exist the way it does. That's why throw loops has to exist. That's a hundred percent why throw loops has to continue to exist the way they do, because otherwise perfect parry would be too annoying to deal with, honestly. Uh, but that's another thing. Di can be so high reward that it kind of discourages doing other things. Yeah, Di's uh, against the wall maybe should be like perfect parries and maybe scale the damage fifty percent. Except if you're in burnout. Maybe that would work. 
Maybe maybe that would work actually. Is if you're not, in burnout, you take max damage. If you are not in burnout, then it automatically scales to fifty percent. So, how is the mental strategy of dealing with perfect parry different than how you would have dealt with parry in third strike? Perfect parry blocks highs, mids, and lows automatically. Uh, that does not happen in third strike. But if you look at third strike, uh, its tiering is all entirely based off of practically how well you could murder parries, right? One of the reasons why a character like 12 is so low tier is because his low confirm into super and his mid confirm into super are not particularly strong. And so he's more parryable than other characters. But for Ken is if you dash up and I'm going to do short, short, short and then kill you or stand strong into kill you or throw into kill you. So what happens is because the parry is a three-way mix-up on the defense, but parry, you're rewarded. So basically, parry does not beat throw. So you're going to have to option select, right? But the problem is you can also predict you option selecting a throw and they could actually walk up and just parry your throw attempt, your crouch tech, right? And so they can blow you up for that. So it's, it's so one-to-one-to-one and uh, that it's really kind of hard to find out that the parry is enough to really influence decisions out there, basically. Yeah, giving a perfect parry a, a fixed follow-up, yeah, I would like that. Like if you perfect parry thing, you automatically just like grab them and punch them or something like that. Like that would be fine. But, you know, the fact that in, in, in Third Strike you can do a mid, there's a, things that you can only high parry, things that you can only low parry makes it a lot better. Uh, if we had to guess low and high parry for drive impact, uh, for drive parry would be better, except then characters, uh, it, it creates, like JP's level two would become even stronger. JP's level two would become even stronger. <laughs> um... There are a lot of situations where, and then also drive rush into guess is a pain. So like if, for example, if you get knocked down by Luke or Guile and they do drive rush into overhead or low, like it's just such a disadvantaged situation that if you don't have drive parry to eliminate the high low mix up, uh, those become a little too powerful. That, that'll become the meta of the game. So uh, drive parry, it's good that it blocks high and low and left and rights because there's a lot of brutal left and rights in this game uh, as well. So there's definitely good sides about that. And like I said, I, I don't mind drive parry. I think drive parry is a great mechanic. I just don't like the fact that perfect parry can, even though you don't get damage, you still get momentum rewarded. And I, I, I like that's a problem. So like if it was a canned response... Yeah, like I would like, like if it was that into a burst, you know, and a burst that didn't knock down and was always zero on hit or something like that, like something would be good. I think something would be good like that. But perfect parry gives you free positioning. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, let's think about the Marisa situation, right? If the opponent has one block of gauge and 60% life and you have a level three with Marisa, you perfect parry one thing, you won. Right? You perfect parry something into level three, drive rush, button into drive impact, you won the game. Like, like that actually can just happen. <laughs> Thank you for the subscription, Just Joe. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. 
And so the even though the damage is lower on perfect parry, it's just it's such a momentum shift. And uh, and like I said, the hardest part about it is if you get your move perfect parry, can you all honestly say you did anything wrong? Can you honestly say you did anything wrong? You can't, right? You can't change your game plan to account for someone trying to perfect parry every goddamn thing you do. I just don't feel like you can justify it. Because if you do, you're, you're nerfing your game so much, honestly. So, But that's all I have right now. That's my month three take on Street Fighter Five, uh, Street Fighter Six. The stream has gone on way too long, as usual. My cats are hungry, so I need to feed them. So I think that'll, I call it quits for today then. I think that'll be it for today. Uh, but again, like I said, I don't think this tier list is crazy. I think this is a pretty decent tier list. I think this is, uh, most people would agree to this, uh, how it looks right now. And like I said, are we getting to the point right now where eventually Lily and Zangief move up? I feel like, I feel like what would happen, like realistically, what I feel like would happen is that Chun-Li and Rashid will move up to A, these four will move up to A minus. These three will move up to B and these two will move up to B minus. Like, I feel like that legit can happen right now that the A minus tier might just disappear and everybody shifts up the tier. And, and, and that's not because of relative that they shift up, but because legit these characters I think are better. Like these four characters might turn out better than being a B tier character. These three will probably turn out being better than B minus. And these two will probably end up being better than C-tier characters. Um, yeah, again, low tier, like C. C in older games was like you can play them legitimately and at least wreck people's dreams at tournaments, right? Like nowadays, you know, 6-4 matchups are like so imbalanced, you know. But like back in the day, like we legit had D and F characters in fighting games. Like they just existed. And we just don't have that in this game at all, so... It's, uh, being at C is not really that bad. And like I said, is Zangief and Lily actually B minus? Probably, to be honest. Um, so. <laughs> Venom was C? Did you, do you see what Peppery Splash does with that character? I don't think anybody can legit call Venom C in Accent Core. When you watch Peppery Splash play him, dude, like... Yeah, he's complicated, but he's clearly, he's very strong. He's very, dude, more than that, I think people are, uh, I think more than just Peppery Splash. So, there's a lot of Japanese ones, right? Snake doesn't think Geef is at the bottom. Yeah, it's, it's, that's good. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad. I hope, I hope uh, he gets stronger. I hope he continues to get stronger. But, He's not going to get much higher right now, so. <laughs> oh, man. In any case, all right. Well, I'll, you know what? I'll get back to you on the Venom thing, okay? So, uh, but uh, that's all for now. Hope you guys enjoyed my uh, semi-regular Street Fighter Six updates on my opinions on how things are going. So, uh, I hope you guys are doing well. Hope you guys are staying safe out there. Clearly, uh, we're all still in a pandemic, so hopefully you guys are taking care of yourselves and uh, being safe out there. 
But uh, also, I gotta feed some cats. They are clearly very, very hungry. Come here, Nathan. Come here, Nathan. Don't walk away from me, Nathan. Dang it. All right. Anyways, <laughs> cats are hungry. They want food. So I'm going to go feed them. But thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, thank you guys for the continued support. And remember that the day that this podcast graced your ears was the most important day of your life. But for me, meow? No, not for me. It was not meow. But for me, oh, 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 hang on. Meow. Meow. Come on. No, oh, I can't get him to do it. All right, but for me. It was Tuesday, 